Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast, uh, head of round eight. This is Barnsley, and here with Billy once again. Feeling a bit better this week, Billy? Have a good week, last one? Yeah, a lot better, mate. I uh, moved up around 3,000 spots, so happy with that. That was with SJ, so um, better than the kick in the ass, mate, but moving in the right direction now. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I was happy with my round as well. They're managing to pretty consistently get some 1250s across the line pretty much, so... Moving on you up as well. You had CHN, didn't you? I had CHN. Um, and rather than go both cheapies, I traded Cam Munster in for one of the cheapy spots instead of Zeri. Big call, but um, I did expect the, the Munster captaincy to give me a little bit more. But having said that, as far as the captaincies on the weekend go, I didn't end up getting too short change. So between um, CHN and playing Oaken Ball, it worked out quite well. That's where I failed massively. I was a uh, shit scared of um, Munster going massive, so I reverse traded, I reversed CHN to bring in Munster. Then <laughs> 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 so, to the break spot. Uh, anyway, I cleaned up the money more, but anyway, I got uh, managed to get Munster and CHN in there, so managed to win a few hundred bucks. So, oh, good a stuff. Good weekend for me. Mate, that money ball wraps enough for us to get sponsorship from them soon, so we'll keep talking about our money ball wins. Maybe they'll come calling. <laughs> Mate, it was my first time ever playing on a weekend. I won about 11 comps. It was awesome. Awesome. I don't get to money ball enough. Um, I'm too busy with everything else, but um, let's go <laughs> straight on to the mailbag for this week. We've got some really good questions this week. Uh, obviously, like every week, guys, there's way too many questions for us to get to them all. Some of them we combine into... One question, putting three together, and other ones we just miss out on. I try and answer the ones that we don't get to put on the podcast for that week, though, as well. Uh, first one, though, is from Mark Andrew, also Stu Lindsay, and a couple other people had similar ones on thoughts on Waddell as a trade-in, or has he already sailed? Um, now, Billy, I've I've rude a few trade-ins um, that I haven't made, and for round one, Lachlan Burham were dealt with two of them. They just didn't look like guys that were going to be good trade-ins. Um, their you know, bench forwards are normally poison, the job security, all that stuff, and both of them have gone spectacular. So the last few weeks, um, Waddell's actually done exceptionally well. He turned up on the weekend, massive 104 points. The week before, he had 77, and the week before that, he had 46. So he's got a 76-3 round average. Um, and I think that the key is his minutes the last three weeks. He's had 42, 48, and 62 minutes against Canberra. So it's really tied to the minutes. Um, problem is he is already 356,000 now. So he's gone up quite a bit, but he does have a minus 58 BE. So what are your feelings on bringing in someone like Corey Waddell at this point? I uh, couldn't do it. I'm pretty sure that um, that 62 minutes was inflated by um, injury last week. Um uh, how early in, was that because of DCE going down um, and he had to come on to cover and I think Ciro went to six correct me if I'm wrong was that the rotation yeah they definitely they definitely were um, the minutes definitely were attributed to DCE going down uh, they did have to reshuffle and they didn't yeah I don't see him getting 62 minutes again having said that the week before he got 48 minutes and he still produced 77 points so he has yeah, been going yeah. pretty well had a try assist in there, but he had two, two try assists this week. So 
Um, given that look, given that he's going to go back to the the forty odd minutes, he's not going to get sixty again. He's going to go back to that base of um, twenty one tackles and twenty uh, twenty one tackles and twenty seven hit ups. Instead of you can pro- he's not that bad. Like you can if he's I had a look last week and the, the manly forwards like between between Sapow and um, oh, the other guy I can't remember his name is the other starter from last week. He, he has pathetic minutes. It's like twenty to twenty five. So I can see why he's got that appeal. Like you you get. He is going to get more minutes than most other sort of forwards um, off the bench. Um, if he's going to get around you know, 45 to 50 minutes, he's possibly worth a pump at that um, negative break even, given that he does have some try assist ability in him. Um, priced at 356, you would have to, you would want to either do it this week or not do it at all. But you got to, you're going to have to be prepared to sort of get him in and hold him to that buy and potentially lose, lose a bit of coin, or hope he should have just like. Uh, or hope he just sort of plateaus a little bit. But I'm inclined to pass on him just for now, only because I think he can probably sort of... You don't want to waste... He's not a jewel. You don't want to waste a spot in the second row. We kick out and Lolo becoming available soon. Um, I think you probably just want to bite the bullet, miss him, and then bring a guy like Aikens in sort of um, next week who's going to be sort of 250 grand cheaper. Yeah, I'm I'm going to bite the bullet and let him pass by as well. I think the ship's sailed. Only because, um, to me, he's going to be a quick cash grab. If he averages 50 points going forward for the foreseeable future, he's he's going to make, you know, about 110k in, in just the next fortnight. So he's going to give you a quick 100 grand. Then, though, even with a 50 average, he's going to actually start going down. And if you go towards the first buy, you're actually, if you're playing the first buy and then trade him out in round 13, you know, you might only make 80 or 90 grand off him if you're lucky. So to me... If you looked at him as a quick cash grab, uh, the way I look at it is, well, why would I pay 356000 to make a quick hundred grand when there's rookies that are going to become available for 168000 It's less investment, doesn't hurt my team as much in my bank, and I'm going to get that quick hundred k out of those guys going forward anyway. So I just don't yeah. see um, the appeal of going for him even for a cash grab because you're tying up money you don't need to. You can just get a base guy. If Aikens is still fullback soon, you can grab him next week. Um, and if you're looking at it as a, um, a number for like round 12, uh, someone like Corey Allen um, has a negative break even at the moment. is about 210K. He plays round 12. You're not investing as much in that and you're probably still going to make 100 grand out of it. So I just don't see yeah. why you go there. Yeah, and here, here's the thing too. So he'll make um, 77 grand. Like if he scores 50, 52 um, this weekend, or a 52 average between now and round 12, whatever it is, he makes 77 grand this week, 40 grand next week. Then he's just the plateaus. Like he'll, learn, he'll lose five grand a week between them. So you're going to make 100 grand off him, but he's going to sit on, on your bench and clog up the spot. Whereas if you grab a guy like Aitken next week, who if he retains his spot, which a guy who's got 300 metres in his first game and 250 metres in his second game. Uh, we'll talk about this when we get to Cleary, but uh, Penrith's run in the next few uh, weeks is they've got Raiders, then Tigers, then Warriors, then Eels, then Manly, then ra- then round 12. So that type of uh, that type of run, I would much prefer to have a uh, an outside back or a fullback like like Aitken's making money in, in, in my sense three quarter as opposed to this guy. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, you know, the thing is we're talking about him averaging... 50 to 52 points, he could very easily go back to a 40-point average or for even a 45-point average is going to be nowhere near as good for him. So, you know, we're talking yeah. probably his upside. Um, the downside is that you're not going to make much at all and you're certainly not going to make enough between now and round, round 13 trade-out to have a number and then get him out at a decent profit. It's just not worthwhile. Um, let's move on to the next one. 
Uh, am I crazy for considering Peachy? This one might have been one of your uh, fake names on Twitter, Billy. We had Eels Forever ask this one on Twitter. And a few other ones um, actually mentioned Peach as well. So Peach lately has actually been quite good. Um, it probably coincided with the Titans' better form that they've shown. He's got a three-round average of 68, five-round average of 51. His last three scores are 88, which included his uh, try on the weekend, 54 and 62. So he's done pretty well the last three weeks. He's a dual center wing, second row forward. He's 435k. He's obviously going to play round 12. I can see the appeal because he's an extreme pod, hardly owned at all. Um, but I'm going to say, despite the recent form, I'm I'm a burned uh, peachy owner in the past, Billy. I, every time I've owned peachy, it's looked like a good idea, and I've done it a couple of times as a sneaky pod. It's it's worked out really poorly for me. So he goes on these really good runs. But you can kind of see before this last three-week run what you're going to be in for. Um, so, like I said, he had 88, 54, 62 the last three weeks. But the three weeks before, he had 21, 31, and 50 points. Um, you know, barely being able to average 40 points across a, um, a three-round average, which is very much um, the peachy um, train that you're going to be jumping on. It's very much a roller coaster. And I'm just really wary of paying 435k for a guy who, yes, he's going to give me a round 12 number, but you're going to be stuck maybe playing him here and there for some mediocre scores in between that you don't want to get. And then afterwards, if you can't trade him out straight away, you just don't want to be playing him. It's I'm not really a fan of Tyrone Peachy at all. Yeah, I don't like him either. Um, the average 48 last year in games at centre, 80-minute games at centre three-quarter, so there was a lot of fluctuation in there. There were a couple of big scores, but then there were a couple of 18s and, and 20s, um, exactly like you said. I think the two advantages for him, number one, he's a super bod. I think it's an awesome pod and an awesome uh, draw for him, but you're going to be banking on those clutch scores, so pick and choose your games very, very carefully. Um, maybe only play him at home rather than away, but I would be using him sporadically either to catch up or one round here and there just to get a leap, but it's a bit too much of a risk for me. Yep. So Lachlan Croker is our next point of discussion. I think we can knock this one on the head very, very quickly. Question no. was, um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, with DCE out a while, is Lachlan Croker worth considering? Mark Smiley Steele asked this one. Not many other people mentioned Lachlan Croker, but um, Billy's answer of no, I'm going to echo that with no. He's 300k. I don't care that he's minus 14 BE. We've got a good sample size from last year where he's played eight games. And in those eight games, he's played 70 minutes a game on average and scored 32 points. He's not even going to get to 40 points based on last year's performances in 80 minutes. And that's just yeah. not good enough to pay over 300 grand for. I think we can just move straight on, really. Yeah, five out of those eight games were under 23. He had one in one score in the 70s to massively inflate that average up to 32. Otherwise, you're getting 20s off him. Forget it. Yep, and outside of that forward pack, that Manly side is now an absolute shocker. I don't care how well they've been playing. It's not going to continue with that side. So let's move on. This one here, Rick Pacey asked, but it also goes along the lines of a few other people too. So Rick's got, uh, with Sevo and Oakenball going well, would you use a reserve on them uh, when you're starting centre wings, uh, guys like Mitchell, Gutho, Nakora and Bateman, or would you really only reserve fullbacks and forwards in your side when you're looking at your reserve spots? So a pretty good tactical question there, Billy. Really good question. Um, normally, I would only do um, fullbacks, 
fullbacks and forwards or or playmakers like SJ versus the Warriors and, and Cleary versus the Titans all, all in the same week. Otherwise, I would sort of bench um, my, my backups to the halves and um, and center three quarters. However, with a draw like this, um, um, I'm planning this week. I played him last week versus um, the Cows and they paid off. Um, so with with the merely draw and having uh, Martin in my team kicking goals on that side, I'll be uh, playing a devil's advocate and doing the same thing, mate. Yep. Yeah, I think part of this um, answer also comes down to a question back of if that's Rick's side, who are you actually going to leave out for Sebo and Oakenbore? And I actually think that's the more important question when you're looking at your side, when you're setting up these reserve spots. If you're going to leave out, um, you know, a reserve forward like a, a Jai Arrow or a, a Reese Martin or something, um, then there's yeah, no way... that wouldn't do that. Nah, there's no way I'd play, you know, Sebo or Oakenbore over, say, Reese Martin or Arrow. If you're leaving out, you know... A bit of a plotter, or someone like you know, if you've been playing a cart ride or, or one of these guys, then sure, I'd go for the upside of Sebo Oakenball. But like, like it normally comes down to it, depends on your team specific. You wouldn't be leaving out any guns to play these guys. Normally, when I look at it myself, um, I will try and fit one center wing reserve in if I think it's a really good draw, but I don't go for two. Um, I think two is just pushing your luck a bit much. And I just try and pick the one that I think is going to go best. I wouldn't normally go two. Um, I've got no issue going um, playmakers at all. I've pretty much got no issue going um, every other position as a reserve at all, aside from centre wing. That's the only one that's dicey. I still will do it, but only one reserve centre wing, not two reserve centre wing. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, I'm leaving out Cardi, Burr and Lane this week to play Ocker, only because if you take the try and the line break off him last week, he still scores 47, which is pretty much around what you know Cardi and Burr will do in in in, in their minutes on the park. And um, Lane always, is always on 38 at half time and finishes on 39 or 69. So I think I'd rather bank on a guy his size, either going over in a corner or just... Sometimes you just go look at the defensive line of the, of the opposition and, and, and back yourself and say, look, is it worth the punt based on my position? Um, a lot of people are going to say yes. Yep. So next one here, um, we've got a specific trade from Kyle Robson, and then we've got more discussion on CHN. So he's, his question from Kyle, he's a um, long-term listener, always responds to us on Twitter and stuff, which is great. Uh, Capewell to CHN is a good trade or is it sideways? That's Kyle's question. Then after that, we've basically got every man and his dog asking about CHN, so we better talk about him a little bit. But um, Kyle's trade first of all, Billy. Capewell or CHN, how do you like that one? Yeah, love it. Um, had, a, had a nice little discussion with someone this afternoon on this one. Um, my point there was, if you take um, all Capewell's tries and try assists and line breaks and line breaks assists off him, he, he's been averaging 47. Um, if you take um, CHN's... Um, um, tries, try assists, and all try and line breaks off him. He's averaging 59, just being on the park. So there's a 12 point difference between those two. Um, CHN has a, um, is pretty much pushing the pushing the boundary offloads at the moment. So the guy is averaging around 18 points per game in hit ups and 30 plus points in um, in tackles. So you're going to get sort of uh, 40 odd points from him just being on just being on the park and at, at his offloads. He's going to be around a 50 to 55 score. Um, yeah, just 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 playing the full eighty minutes and on on his form last week, you know he's going to be there. So the only concern would be um, injury around him, but you can't not play someone based on injury. So to answer your question, 
you know, I think he's, a, he's an epic trade. And if you look at his numbers, they're pretty much exactly the same as what um, Crichton's were last year. Crichton had a 35 and some low scores and averaged exactly the same last year, around 59 without any tries, then just exploded. So I know they're different teams, but I just think a guy like that with that's going to give you a 59 in base plus power um, available at center three quarter is an absolute no-brainer right now. I think it's a phenomenal trade. I, I think it's great. And there's a couple of key things there on why I think it's great. Number one, Capel's only a short-term fix. Wade Graham's going to be back in a few weeks' time, um, more than likely. Um, even if Wade Graham wasn't coming back, you would you would be trading Capel before round 12 because he doesn't play the first buy. So CHN has job security over him for the rest of the season. Um, he's also got the buy over him in playing round 12. And he's potentially um, more of a keeper at centre wing than what Capel's going to be. Capel, you're not going to keep at centre wing. CHN, at the moment, I'm viewing CHN as a keeper at centre wing. That might change because we only have, um, you know, five games where he's been starting and things can change. But at the moment, based on what he's doing, I, I would keep him. Um, he deserves a massive shout-out for the weekend. Scored 141 points, which was absolutely huge with his two tries, two line breaks. But... On the podcast last week, Billy, I was talking about it with you. I said, you know, he scored 54 points the week before against South. But I made the statement, he looked like one of the more dangerous and only attacking weapons that the dog side had at times. And he went over the line three times for it to get pulled up. He looked like he was going to score a try. So, you know, he, he does look likely. He's got the offloads, like you said. I like everything about his game. He's got a minus 12 BE now. Probably the only caveat to all of this discussion on, you know, his CHN and worth a trade-in. I really saw him as a big trade in three weeks ago. Um, there was massive value in doing it three weeks ago. You're not going to get the value doing it now. I would not like to be paying 528000 for him. Having said that, I don't think it's bad if you missed it. Um, I couldn't begrudge anyone for doing it. And I think CHN's probably got more upside than what we've seen already um, from him. And his next few games, I reckon, are golden. He's got Manly, who are pretty depleted. Um, he's got Newcastle, who have been soft on the edges. And I'm pretty sure he's playing against the Gold Coast Titans, poor edge, um, the following week in round 10. So the next three weeks are pretty golden as well. He's ticking a lot of boxes. Um, I'm also just wary, Billy, of 528k is quite a bit to spend on him. Yeah, but uh, the guy's averaging sort of 75 and 80 minute games. I'd be paying sort of 600 for him, available at centre three quarter. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that leads to another question on, um, you know, a, a couple of guys have said, you know, would you... Would you trade someone like CHN in for that price when there's other guys that aren't that much more in the forwards, like you know going up to a Kickow or a Martin even or Sandy Burgess is 30k more? Um, I'd probably say my answer to that one, Billy, is I wouldn't consider him a trade in like those guys because I'd be always looking at CHN as a centre wing, so I wouldn't be comparing him to the second row only guys. Exactly, the difference between running him versus you know a Cherry or whoever you got is potentially 10 to 10 to 30, 40 points. The difference between running him versus a kick-out is pretty much not much or maybe 10 points or maybe the other way around. So you've got to think about who you, who he's actually um, replacing in your lineup and look at that um, potential um, uh, points gap that you're closing. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I like him. Um, I think Capel to him is a fantastic trade, Rick, and a few people have talked about Capel to him. Um, I, um, I would have much rather got him a few weeks ago, but... If you need to do it now, do it now. That's fine. Let's move on to the next one, Billy. So this one is from Mr. Smith. Pretty specific one. 
Um, is Crichton a good trade-in despite not playing round 12? He's bottomed out. Um, so Crichton has bottomed out. He's at a reasonable price now. A few people are looking at getting some guns in rather than um, looking at just round 12, and that's fair enough. Crichton is 558k at the moment. He's got a BE of 55, so he's probably not going to get a lot cheaper. He scored 80 points against the Dragons on the weekend. That included his try, though. Um, the, the weeks before, he got 59, 44, 85, 63. So pretty quietly, after the first two weeks when he was benched, he's actually done really well with only one score below 59 at 44. Um, is he someone that you would be looking at trading in? Do you think that he's a good option right now if you're going to disregard round 12? No, I would love Crichton, but um, not right now, mate. Um, the thing that kind of has thrown me off is the, the couple of things. Um, a is how close we are to round 12 right now. I don't want to get a guy um, like him him in when whoever, if I chose someone like Kikau or Sergis or Tom, I'm pretty much going to get exactly the same um, uh, points. Um, and if you look at the, like you just said, mate, um, he's playing on, on the right edge and he, and he got that try and line break last week. So without that, he scores a 50. I'm, I'm really not sort of confident in that. A guy like him with a line break and a try, I would be, I would be praying for a 95 plus. So, um, without that, and with also with all going back to the bench, I have that fear that he's going to be rested for five, 10 minutes or rotated. So that scares the crap out of me. So I'd, I'd just leave him, leave him for now and pick him up, um, I'm not even sure if I'd pick him up until until after rounds of 17, 18, mate. I think he's probably just a pod for the run home and, and pick and choose your games and unless he really, really shows some form. Yeah, I'm, um, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for going there. I think he's definitely a decent option. I would just probably prefer other options. Uh, and one other thing I'll say, you made a really good point, Billy, with Orbison. It isn't just Orbison being on the bench. The other thing that scares me a little bit is... Um, I'd, I'd assume that Angus Crichton's going to be in the State of Origin team. Robinson, like, Angus Crichton's a guy that came into this Rooster side, you know, 90-plus percent fit for round one. And Robinson went nut, and he put him in cotton wool for not just one week, but a couple of weeks on the bench, and then threw him back to the bench maybe the fourth week or something. So if he's coming into an Origin series, I would be concerned that the Roosters are going to be pretty far away, the best side in the comp. And Robinson, at, you know, around um, sort of 13 and, and so forth, is going to say, here's a rest game for Crichton, or maybe they're up by a fair few points that week and he rests him halfway through a game, or maybe he just um, decides to play him lower minutes and he does play him, but he only plays 60 minutes. I'm pretty concerned about that through Origin, um, probably with yeah. a lot of the Roosters players. Yeah, look, the, the one thing I will add to flip the coin and talk about the positive side of the equation, um, playing the Tigers this week, they're $1. twenty. You'd like to think that they're going to smash them um, and there could be some points on the edge. That's at home as well, um, Sydney Cricket Ground. Um, he's also got um, oh, their home game the week after, but that's the Suncor Stadium, the, um, that, uh, big weekend, that big weekend versus the Raiders. Um, Historically, you think the Raiders leak points, but they've been doing well at the moment. But um, and then he's got to play the Broncos the week after, uh, as we talk about pretty much every week, every single week. The Broncos leak a try to an, an, an edge back roller, so he's potentially the one that's going to go over the line again. He, he did that last time he played them, and then he's got the Knights, so he could be in for a few scores. But you, you, if you're going to buy him, you're going to, you're going to buy him for four games, and you're going to be backing him for a couple of tries versus those teams. So just ask yourself: Is he going to score at, at least two? Because I think that would that would be the only reason you buy him. 
Yeah, and, and make sure you ask yourself whether you're content to hold him through that origin period and, and put up with him potentially not playing 80 minutes that whole time. Yeah. You couldn't hold him. You'd have to say, look, I'm going to buy him for four games and then and then, and then then sell him to kick out or whoever because there's no guarantee you're going to play round 13. What if what if he comes... What if he comes well, I don't even know what the turnaround time is. Hold on, let me have a quick look. They played Panthers on the Sunday, so... It, it is the last last game of the weekend, so he might might he'll obviously be rested rested most, but you never know. Um, coach might start all by and then well that that's the other thing too. You might have him in your starting lineup, and then there's no one to switch to because he's playing the four o'clock game on on Sunday. So you're going to run that run that risk of um, him potentially being switched for all by at the last minute too. Yeah, I just think there's so many other options, and this is this goes really well into another question that we have, um, which was which. Which forward keeper should be brought in this week? Um, Martin, Sergis, Kikau, or Lolo, or Crichton? Um, now, to me, there's there's four other forwards there to talk about, which I think that I would bring in all four of those other guys, aside from Crichton. Even though I don't want to bring in Lolo this week, if I'm choosing a guy going forward for you know this week's purchase or next, I think myself, I would rather Martin, Sergis, Kikau, and Lolo all over Crichton at the moment. I'd rather buy any of those guys over Crichton. Yeah, pretty much put it in the same order as you. Although I'm not sure about um, um, the second and third. I got Martin because you, you know my thing about Martin. I love him. I'm captaining him for the rest of the year. I just think this week he could, could go ballistic, and I don't care if he's, he's if he, unless he's unless his break even was over a hundred. Um, I'd, I'd I'd still I'd be getting him first. I can't decide between Kikau and Sergis for second and third. Although I haven't looked at Sergis to break even, but if that's low enough. I put him him next, and then kick out for that run. Lolo's obviously got to come back from injury. Might come off the bench has a has a highish the break even, so you could wait for him for a couple of weeks. Yeah, then I'd have Crichton last. I actually would say, um, even though I've said, you know, I, I I would get all the other guys over Crichton, and I'd probably put Sergis at the front of that group. I wouldn't actually get any of them in this week if I could help it. So, if my top seventeen was good. Um, my answer for this specific question for Anthony Patman, who asked it, would be don't get any of them in, um, mainly because of break-evens. Like, Kikau's got the lowest BE, and it's still at 70, and he's a guy who only got 63 minutes on the weekend, so I'd be looking to, to get another free look at what his minutes are going to look like because that was a bit of a concern. Um, Burgess has a 92 BE. Lolo has a BE of over 100, and Reese Martin's BE is also pretty high at uh, 86. So none of their BEs are great. Um, I think the ideal thing would be to trade down a Rabalawa or something and put some bank in and maybe get two of these guys next week if you can swing it that way. Uh, I reckon Martin hits his break even. And even, even if it was case scenario, if he doesn't, he's probably only 10 points off it. So he's worth the risk, I reckon. I reckon you don't waste an opportunity to get to get one of these guys in knowing that you're going to have have to do a downgrade and an upgrade next week yeah i mean i actually think myself i'm i might even look at an early upgrade oh sorry an early downgrade and i might even go a week early on aitken to look at a double upgrade for next week because i don't need the guy in my 17 this week and i think that gives you more options next week like for example i know you're pretty confident on martin billy but He's only a week removed from scoring, from um, only getting 60 minutes from Dean Pay. He obviously had a HIA on the weekend, which is why he got the 66 minutes. But before that, he still got 60 minutes. 
at least we'll get another free look at him. I don't think he's going to go up any money anyway, even if he gets near that BE. It's just more the points, him kicking goals versus Manly this week. That's what I really want to see. And if I'm playing um, um, Ocker, I just want to back myself by having both those guys in the forward pocket. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. He could go really well against Manly. So, yep, that's a really fair call. Um, Burgess has got 92 on a BE, but he's also got a a decent shout as far as who he's playing against um, with the um, Broncos side. And they're two small halves they're going to be playing. Sam Burgess could have a good week as well. I definitely um, wouldn't get Lolo in, though. You wouldn't Certainly you wouldn't look at Lolo early no, when he's no, returning. No, 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 no. I, I, I really like the idea of Sturgis for a VC this week. Um, it's early enough in the round. If you've, got a, if you've got a guy like SJ, SJ is my only guy that's injured, and I really want to trade him out to get um, CHN in. But what I might be doing is just chucking the VC on Lolo for on, uh, not Lolo, on um, Sturgis first. Um, it, like we said before, edge back rollers versus uh, Broncos all um, have been scoring like um, and like, like the candy's free, mate. So I might uh, chuck the VC on him first and see how he goes. If he chucks up a, a double and scores a 130, I might forego the uh, the uh, SJ trade and, and slap the uh, the, the C on him just for a week and, and downgrade somewhere else. Um, yeah, that, that's just my, 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 my idea on, on Sergis, mate. I, I reckon he's a good VC this week. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, who are the best cheapies to look at, especially when downgrading someone like Rabalawa this week? Uh, and people have also asked on thoughts on Aiken and Lomax, so they're probably going to come into it. So I guess the cheapies that are floating around at the moment, Billy, for those centering downgrades like Rabalawa, uh, are going to be Aiken, Lomax, and also probably Corey Allen. Um, those are the three cheapies that look like downgrade options. What are your feelings about those guys? Yeah, we talked about Aitkins being a great um, downgrade option last week. If you needed cash and wanted to go early, purely because of his uh, 300 meters on on, on the on the fir- on the first week, and he, and he looked pretty good with with his H8s. Um, he did exactly the same thing last week. Uh, he's looking all right there. Um, the other one is, um, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Lomax was was wing last week for Ravalara, wasn't he? So. Ravalawa was dropped for Aiken and Aiken, sorry, sorry for um, Lomax and Lomax is kicking goals. So if Aiken's been dropped and um, Lomax has moved one in, if anyone's going to be dropped next week and Aiken comes back in, surely it's going to be. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, I mean, my issue with Lomax, he's got some good positives. He's, he's goal kicking at the moment, so there's that. And the fact that Ravalawa, who he took the spot off, like you mentioned the week before, is back in the starting side and not at his expense, that's a positive. I think the downsides, though, there's definitely some there. And those are... We're talking about Mary McGregor as a coach here, and he's done a lot of funky stuff. He's quite often carried a back on the bench. Like, I don't know any other coach, really, that would put Ravalawa on the bench. You know, you've got a winger that you're carrying on the bench, and Ravalawa cannot play one other position, at least when Lomax was on the bench. He could cover um, centre, wing, and fullback. You know, Ravalar couldn't carry anything, and Mary McGregor still threw him on the bench. That's a worry for me. Yeah. Um, the fact oh, that it's made no sense at all. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's it's amazing, and you know what he gets for these decisions? They give him a contract upgrade. But let's not even go there. All right, we won't even go about the contract extension on here. But um, it's this craziness for Mary, and that's the problem. You just don't know what he's going to do, and the fact that Ewan Aitken has. You know, just a year ago was touted as potentially taking an origin spot in the centres. 
I know a lot of Dragons fans are really disappointed with his defense at times and his reads, but he's not a bum. You know, Ewan Aiken is a, a decent player, so I would be pretty worried that at any point in the next couple of weeks, um, Aiken can turn around and be m- removed from the bench and thrown back in at centre. And if he does, Zach Lomax is sitting in his centre spot and it's a choice between Ravalara and Lomax and Ravalara might have sewn up that wing spot at that point. So there's a lot of fluctuations that can happen with those lineups with Lomax for me. It worries me quite a bit. Yeah, I see where you're coming, but I reckon Lomax is probably a little bit more more secure than you think. Um, the only issue there is Mary. Yeah, that's a pretty big issue though, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be a Dragon supporter, mate. I mean, what about Corey Allen? He's another guy to talk about as far as downgrades go for backline players. Um, he obviously has played a lot of games now, but he wasn't doing very well. He started to come a bit better of late. He's he's 247k though, so he's the most expensive out of the three guys, but he does have a minus 10 BE, and he's got a 54 and 41 the last two weeks. So, yeah, how do you, how do you see Corey Allen in the mix with these other two guys? Yeah, he's got a ridiculously low base, so he needs to score a try to be worthwhile. But you know what? Um, everyone else has got him. You know he's going to make money. It might be really slowly before he takes off, but he just needs one game of it, you know, a 70 or an 80 or something or another, and then that, all of a sudden that uh, that break-even of two goes to you know, minus 30 or 40 or something or other, and he makes a bit more coins. So, yeah, he's um, he's a guy that you don't want to play, but if you want to just leave, it, um, leave him there and... Um, having you probably if you don't earn him, I think most people do. But if you don't earn him, he's probably a more uh, a more staple purchase than Lomax, uh, because yeah, around the same sort of price. And you know, you know, you know, he's not leaving the team, and you know he plays around twelve, so it might make more sense. Yeah, the thing that I like about Allen, as far as his positives, is um, the next two weeks he's got the Broncos and the Cowboys. Both of those sides could definitely leak some points to him, um, particularly with the Broncos. You know, Nicarima controversy of late, um, and they're also playing away from Suncorp. Um, and you've got the whole Wade Bennett versus Seabold thing. Maybe the Souths could put on a, a bit of a score on, on the Bronx. And obviously the Cowboys away from home um, are not fantastic, although it'll still be in Queensland at Suncorp. So those couple of weeks are a bit of a positive. He's also going to play round 12, which you mentioned. So uh, versus Lomax, um, you know, the fact that one plays round 12 and one doesn't, I probably lean just to get Allen in instead of Lomax. I think there's less certainty on his position yeah. as well. Yeah, it's a shame he's not on the left side with Walker though. He'd be, he'd be have, he would have so much more attacking opportunity. Unfortunately, he's uh, next to um, Reynolds, who's just going to try and chip over the top to him all day and never going to get a ball out the back. Yeah, it's um, it's a tough one. Oh, it's it's really Russian roulette with some of these downgrades. Um, it's it's why it's hard to talk through them and find a definite answer. Um, I think for the people that are asking the question, those are the three options. Um, like we've seen with guys like Burr, you know, at the start of the year, Lachlan Burr looked like a really poor option because he looked like he was only going to play for two weeks and Papali was going to come back in and he was going to be benched and you, you don't want to bench Ford. Whereas other guys that were starting... Um, looked a lot more promising, and the reverse has happened, and people that had Burr got a little bit lucky that he earned his spot, um, which we didn't think he was going to do in round one and so forth. So I guess, you know, the key is you just got to weigh everything up, hope you get a bit of luck with these guys, and see how it goes. Um, for me, I'm going to probably downgrade Ravalawa to Aiken this week. Uh, it's a week early, but the thought process for me is... But the Panthers' Aiken is um, going to play round 12 as well, 
And I just think that he's also the better player. Um, and even though there's job security issues with him versus Lomax, I like his ability to keep that jumper more than Lomax's, only because the way I see it, um, MWZ for the Panthers is probably the weakest link in that back line. He's probably more of a backup slash New South Wales Cup player yeah. to me. Um, and that should mean that potentially DWZ goes back onto that wing when Fare comes back in two weeks and Aitken goes at fullback. I've had a look at it a lot because I was a bit worried that Aitken will get dropped, but I just think that Aitken's too good to get dropped when you're comparing him to someone like MWZ. Yeah, I agree. The only thing um, Lomax got going for him is that he's got um, Eels this week, and then the Warriors, both are away from home, but kicking goals, he might uh, he might fare well on those, so 50-50. Yeah, so I think that all three of those guys are downgrade options, and you can make arguments for all of them. Um, have a look at it, Daniel, and all these other guys that ask the downgrade questions and, and sort of see how you go. Um, one last one is uh, from Mark King and a couple other people who mentioned um, your mate, Manu Mau, who's um, got a fantastic try on the weekend um, and looked good in his return game. But Mark King sort of said, you know, is, is he going to be a bit of a point of difference compared to jumping on CHN as far as a centre wing that you can get in who's going to play lock. Um, Manu Mau played only 42 minutes on the weekend, but he's obviously going to be building up his fitness. Scored 85 points with a great try and line break. Priced at 585k, he's got a 34 BE, and you can obviously put him in um, the centre wing and he does play round 12. Is he a bit of a pot option instead of a CHN um, for round 12 that you could potentially get in? Yeah, but he's a sort of guy that you can sort of wait a little bit at least and see what the rotation is like. Um, I can't grab him until he's um, he's actually starting, and I see where where if he starts on the left edge, I've got no interest in him. But if he's rotating through the middle or starting in the middle, um, then yeah, it's a lot more it's a lot more interest. But I'm not going to pull the trigger there until I actually see him in the starting squad and see the rotation. I'd much rather take a hit hit on price, but it's only his um, second game coming up, so I'll sit back and watch. Yeah, I'm going to have a look in round 11. I'm going to leave it right up until near the bye to consider Manu because yep. um, there's a lot to look at with him. So I'd much rather get CHN this week. Um, and the fact that CHN's roles and minutes are a lot more secure right now and he's you know 60 grand cheaper, um, I think that's a pretty easy decision to make for this week. You can always get both of them and have a look at um, Manu um, closer to round 12. So we've got a few injuries around the traps, Billy that have obviously killed some, some guys' teams on the weekend. SJ was a bad injury. Jake Friend was a bad injury again. Um, and we've got hooker owners and half owners up in arms asking questions left, right and centre. So let's start off with um, what to do with Jake Friend when you already have Cook. And this one was asked by about a million and five people. So you, you go for it, mate. You tell me. If you own Cook and you own Friend as the other um, hooker that you got, what the hell do you do with Friend? Cameron Smith plays the Sharks, then the Eels, then the Tigers, then the Dogs. Mate, I would just get him in my team. Even if even if he's not kicking, um, mate, Cook doesn't kick. I know Cook's more of a runner. Um, I would be praying Cam Smith kicks, but... Look, if you can hold off this week and just see whether he's kicking versus the Sharks, you can pick him up for the Eels, Tigers, Dogs, and then just take an AE for um, round 12. Either that or sort of wait until the last minute. Or sorry, either that or trade to a guy like Mahoney. But do you really want to try, invest that sort of a coin in a guy that you're not going to play until round 12 and might only get to the 45, 50 points in the tackles? Um, I'd probably just go Smith and take the AE, mate, rather than the waste coin on, on, a, on a ridiculous downgrade. 
Yeah, I agree. My advice is pretty similar to yours, Billy. Um, Marnie, I don't think, is an option that the Eels... Uh, I know he's been playing well and stuff, but I, I just wouldn't want to pay that for him. Um, to me, it's very much, a, like Billy said, go to Cam Smith. He's not only got a good run to play the double hookers going forward for the next month, but that's probably going to be your keeper hookers at the end of the year. So you don't have to stuff he's, around with that position. And he's a good he's a good backup, uh, in just in case, um, like if you're holding on to Cook, he's, he's a good backup just in case Cook gets injured at um, Origin. You've got a decent backup for... Um, for um, round thirteen, um, as opposed as opposed to playing um, taking an AE or playing a bum there, and you've also got um, your round uh, seventeen covered. Then I'm pretty sure Smith is going to um, carry a big load um, that week with Munster away. Yeah, that's right, and it does help with seventeen quite a bit. So I really like that idea, um, and that's what I would do. The idea was thrown up as well that um, you could throw Billy Britton in there. Uh, he is the um, South Sydney hooker in um, in second grade and the idea was that you could handcuff him to Cook so when Cook is out um, or if Cook got injured then Billy Britton would come into the side and start at hooker um, I understand the, the theory um, in other fantasy sports like um, fantasy NBA with the basketball that I play quite a bit of it's called handcuffing it's quite prevalent in those other sports where you'll handcuff a player whose value is tied to someone you already own. So because you already own them, you handcuff them with the guy that's going to benefit most if that player goes down. Because when you have someone's value decrease and you can't use them while they're injured, the other player that you've already got, their value increases significantly because that guy's out. So you're kind of hedging your bets in a way by handcuffing. I understand why you do it, and I understand the strategy. I don't think it's terrible um, because obviously Billy Britton is not much investment. What I would be worried about is something you said, though, Billy, um, and that is with, with Reed Marnie from the Eels. You know, you mentioned you wouldn't want to, really want to be playing him. I Even if Billy Britton's getting big minutes, I, I would, wouldn't really want to have to play him for a month if Cook was injured and get, you know, 35, 40 points if he wasn't scoring too well. Um, to me, I don't want to be playing a bum in the middle of the season or even at the end of the season. I'd still end up wanting to trade someone out to get another hooker in. So I think it just lends itself to just getting Cam Smith in. I didn't realise there was an actual term for it, handcuffing. I think I handcuffed myself because I did that to start the year with Parley and Burr. I figured to start Burr and when he goes to the bench or gets dropped, then I'll play for Parley. I wasn't uh, wasn't banking on both of them playing, playing 40 minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Picking the wrong one each week. Well, I mean, it, it is fair to probably mention that some other options were tossed up, like Robbie Farrer um, was another one. Um, and he's going to play the second buy. So, I mean, I guess he is an alternative. I wouldn't really want to go there myself, despite how he's been playing. Yeah, I've um, I've, I've got him on my team, and I've been concerned. Oh, the week before the week before last, he had that HIA, so you can't really sort of um, comment on that one. But I was a bit concerned last week. He just seemed to be doing uh, a couple of tackles here and there. wasn't running as much, but um, he still managed to get get his way to fifty nine, looking extremely ordinary and doing nothing. So, if he if he's your worst downgrade too, um, um, you know that with Reynolds being injured now and Benji coming back, you know that backup sort of uh, um, backup potential hooker or bench um, uh, bench utility is a, a long a long way away again now. So. Yeah, he's an option too. just depends on which one you're more confident in. Well, I just think that this is also a time where you can really conserve your trades a little bit um, because, you know... It's good I, to that draw. Yeah, I, I mean, what I'm getting at though is that I wouldn't want to be making multiple, multiple trades in the hooker position. Um, you know, it's just not something I'd want to do. 
So if I got Robbie Farrow in now, I'd want to be pretty comfortable that I'm just going to keep him until the end of the year. And like you could, but I think the Tigers' second half of the season is going to be a hell of a lot worse than their first half. And we've already seen them start to fall off a little bit. If they fall off even more, you could see Robbie Farrow maybe getting a little bit extra, uh, less minutes than the 80 minutes he's been getting for the back half of the season. You know, and then all of a sudden you're wasting two or three trades in that backup hooker spot. I just wouldn't want to be... I'd look at it as an option to conserve trades. If you get Cam Smith in, you don't have to trade that hooker spot again for the rest of the year, probably. If you get Robbie Farrow yeah. in, there's a good chance that you're going to have to use another trade. Yeah, I reckon Farrow's last year, though, isn't it? So, yeah, I can't see him going out without a bang. So, yeah, mate, each to their own. Yeah. I, 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 you're right. I think Smith's the go there, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone going Farrow. He's going to fluctuate. He's going to have a few scores between 50 and 60, but he's going to have those tons as well. He's just Robbie. He might finish off the season really well at the end. I'd be a little bit concerned about those that, you know, starting that back third of the season. Well, um, I think that we've answered that one, so let's move on. The other one was um, SJ owners. So, what do you do if you've got SJ um, with limited half options to get in? And there was also a question of is there a half that covers the round 12 buy that we should be looking at? Um, mate, just go straight to Cleary. Um, I probably touched on it a bit too early, but um, yeah, Raiders, Tigers, Warriors, Eels, then Manly, then then the round 12 buy. Um, so it obviously doesn't play the round 12 buy because he'll more than likely be playing um, Origin. But those 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 five games are pretty much epic. Um, you can then sell him um, just at round 12. Um, when he when he has when he comes up against the Chooks, Rabbitohs, then the Warriors away and has that buy again, so you can completely miss those five games and buy him back around. Then you can buy him back again in round 18 when he, when he plays the Titans and then has three home games, then goes on to the Dogs. I think that's a pretty good strategy for him. Yep, I agree, and I also wouldn't want to be buying any of the halves that are playing round 12. Um, probably the main ones tossed up have been. Mitchell Moses, and also uh, Adam Reynolds, and I wouldn't want to be buying either of those guys. Probably the only halves that I would buy um, would be at the 5'8 spot rather than the halfback spot, and they would be uh, obviously Cody Walker if he's not making origin, uh, but he's probably too much money at the moment as well. So, yeah, I think it's a tough spot. Um, one thing that I actually was looking at doing when I was playing around with my trades is that I've got Cartwright um, in um, second row forward, and he's obviously a dual 5'8 as well. So if you had someone like SJ as a backup in the halves, um, you could play around and put someone like Cardi in there and buy a second row instead. Through duels, that could work for, say, a Martin or something coming in. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Get rid of um, get rid of uh, SJ, bring Cardi down, and move Ocker up to a, sec- to a second row and then just play him as a reserve this week because I bought in CHN to cover him at centre three quarter. Yep. And that's perfect. That's a really good trade, and it's a way that you can not, you can avoid having to get a half in if you do it that way. Um, you mentioned Cleary is a good one to get in for points, so I agree with you. Um, I like Cleary at the moment. I think they're going to go well. Um, Munster's another guy that I got in last week. I know he's a five-eight fullback rather than a halfback, but if you can swing it, that you can turn SJ into Munster. Um, that's probably the only other trade that I would suggest um, Munster scored 68 points on the weekend with a try without a line break and he had a million tackle breaks that were missed I was watching that game counting the tackle breaks myself just thinking these stats guys have got to be kidding themselves he scored double the tackle breaks that they gave him the only other one I would um, I would suggest sorry on that one is you could potentially hold 
SJ as well, if you can cover him elsewhere and wait till sort of Cody Walker bottoms out a little bit, then flick the switch that way via Jules. Like for people that for people that already own Cleary and have um, SJ as a backup seven, you could probably move um, uh, CN whatever you are. The two dads go in the half <laughs> up, to, up to up to the half spot, then bring in Walker once once he bottoms out a little bit. Or you could do the thing like like you're suggesting you now, bring in Munster, um, who's got the epic draw as well. That's that's the reason why we brought him in last week. Yeah, Munster's draw is going to be fantastic. Um, so I, I and really he's like um, and he's um, depends on Smith too. If if, if Smith's groin is still going, um, Munster could still be kicking goals as well. So added added bonus potentially. Yeah, and even just for this week, when you look at it, the Sharks are really depleted for this week. So uh, I think that works out quite well. So those would be your main options. I think um, for points now, um, I think both Cleary and Munster are pretty good um, as options to get in. Otherwise, through Jules, like Billy said, you can put Cardi up there if you've got him um, and look at getting a different position in. Other than that, um, you could, if he's one of your reserves, just wait it out, like Billy said as well, um, and adding to the wait out theory. Um, if you go for that strategy. The other thing that you've also got is if uh, Young Dearden actually performs for the Broncos in two weeks' time, you could just get Dearden in for SJ or you could just hold yeah. SJ because in two weeks they might actually yeah. say he's progressed really well, he's going to be back next week. Yeah, he might be a perfect out for you and to give you your money for Walker if you don't have jewels either. Yep. Excellent. Well, let's move on. We had some really good questions, but it's time to have a look at TLT. And the Thursday night game's our first one, the South Sydney Rabbitohs versus the Brisbane Broncos. This one is the ultimate coaching grudge match. Wayne Bennett versus Seabold. Looking forward to it. Um, main changes, are we've still got no sighting of Burns, so Paul Turner somehow retains his centre spot. Um, other than that, the 13 is going to be the same. Um, for the Broncos, quite a few big changes. Uh, and the main one is Tom Dearden comes in for Nick Arima, who, with all the mail, um, he's at, he's got to be finished, it looks like. It's only a matter of days before they'll announce he's going to be a New Zealand warrior. So Dearden is thrown in the deep end. Um, Payne Haas retains his starting jersey, so we can pretty much be comfortably starting now um, with Joe O on the bench. Um, Tommy Flegler is still on the bench and now has a lower BE, which is good to see. So... Billy, in this one, let's start off with the C and the VC options. Do you see any good ones here? Um, the only thing I did like was obviously um, Sergis and um, the Broncos leaking points on the edge. But I just did a quick uh, Google of uh, SC stats, and um, Broncos don't really leak any sort of massive points. They've only they've leaked a 105 and a 101. Um, they've only had sort of two, four, six. They've had eight scores all year above above 80 against them. So no one's actually really scored big enough to actually do a loop. So the only thing I can think of here is that if you're going to VC this game um, for a bunny, maybe bite the bullet and try and, and try Burgess just in case he goes over for a double. But apart from that, uh, I wouldn't probably VC anyone else here. I actually quite like the... Um the VC Cody Walker. Um, Cody Walker's still quite low-owned. He's still actually a pod, um, which I think is just because his price just got away from people and now they can't get him, um, which is fair enough. So he's going to be a pod VC if you can loop him. He's been playing obviously really well. And like I mentioned earlier, I think the Rabbits could put a real score on the Broncos potentially. So Cody Walker, I I would be pretty happy to VC. Another one... um, would be Cook, although like you've mentioned before in the past, he doesn't have a lot of scores where he gets big enough to, I guess, loop. Yeah, to loop. 
Yeah, so it makes it hard. Um, so I reckon the two pod moves, uh, VC Cody Walker, or real pod move, just see Sammy Burgess straight up. I think it's risky, but because it's the first game, I don't think hardly anyone is going to captain Sammy Burgess, and he can easily get like you know the one try and end up at a ton pretty quickly. And he is the sort of player too where he ends up pretty. Um, He's a pretty emotional, emotionally invested player. He gets fired up and stuff, and he really does like Wayne Bennett quite a bit. I think some of these South boys are going to get fired up at the Broncos, and Sammy Burgess will be at the front of that. Yeah, they're at home too. I'm just more concerned about someone like, Kick, um, like uh, what do you call it, um, TPG coming like coming straight at him and knocking him out, or Bur- Burgess getting fired up with his forwards too much and getting sent off. <laughs> but to go to go back on your point. Um, yeah, Munster scored 105 against them. Um, Corey Norman hit 72. Um, what was the other one? Luke Keary hit 68. So they're, they're, they're three scores over 68 versus the Broncos this year. And if Norman and Keary can do it, oh, I suppose Keary plays for the um, the Chooks. Um, yeah, look, uh, you, might, you might be right. I think um, Walker's probably a decent shout too. Yeah, I really like Cody Walker from the VC. Like, even if you just make it really simple and don't look into it too much and just say, you know, any guy... That's able to score four tries in a game, VC him. <laughs> you know, that's if they're going to maybe put up a big score. And this guy scored four tries in the last month in one game. Put the VC on him. Mate, I mean, he's, he's surely about a dollar forty just to score a try any time in any game. The guy, the guy can be on four points with ten minutes to go and scores two tries. He's just a freak. He's a bloody good player. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't score though, because we'd like him to go down so we can get him in for round twelve. He's over seven hundred fifty thousand now. He's absolutely killing it um, for his owners. But on the market watch side of things, Billy, we don't have any traded out guys in the top 10 from this team, but we do have someone who's making it into the top 10 traded in. Quite surprising that at number five, we got Tommy Dearden uh, making his debut this week as an 18-year-old halfback in a pressure cooker game that they could end up getting trounced in if they don't step up. I really don't like this trade in at all. Um, for me, you know, a young halfback, Easily in two weeks, he could get replaced by someone else. There's that many different options um, that they could go down. They still have O'Sullivan and a couple other young guys that they could throw in. Um, the other thing that's been, the other thing too that hasn't been talked about a lot is it tends to be making more sense to me that if Dearden struggles at NRL level for a couple of weeks and they have to play someone else and they don't like O'Sullivan, it makes sense to me that maybe they put Darius Boyd there at five eight and they put Asako back at fullback finally. Because they've got a lot of other centres that they can they can use in their back line, like Shibasaki and stuff. So I just think that you've got to see a couple of weeks out of Deed, and I really don't like going on him early. Yeah, yeah, agree, mate. Just, the, um, just a quick stat. Looks like the the two top scores versus um, uh, South this year, 116 and 96, were left-left centres, um, Tim Laffey and Brian Kelly. And... There's a lot of edge scores around 80 mark as well. Orbison, 79, right edge. Tohu, um, 82, right edge. Kikau, uh, 88, left edge. And then Lachlan Burr, who was rotating, who was playing a middle 46 minutes, scored 89. So, yeah, le- le- left, left, left center and edges seem to um, seem to be pretty potent versus the bunnies. So, um, if you own maybe sort of Jack Bird or a uh, or a um, or a, what do you call it, David Fafita type, they might be worthwhile playing this week. Yep. Really if they're good, getting big bets. Really good stats, Billy. Um, I'm interested on another guy from the Broncos side, though, to talk about, and that's our previous mate from prior years, Anthony Milford. Um, 
he's uh he's been mentioned a couple times, even as an SJ replacement maybe. He's um he's really cheap now. He's three hundred ninety thousand. He now only has a sixteen BE because he scored seventy five on the weekend. Is he someone that might terrorise one of those edges for Souths? Is he someone that might be a bit of a pod shot in the dark, ballsy play? I would. I'd, I'd be I'd be having a heart attack watching him play, um, <laughs> given I pretty much own him on and off for the last few years, and I hate him. Um, good play when he's on, but when he's not, man, he's just abysmal. Um, I th- it, look, if you still owned him, I know some people do. Um, some people own him more him didn't play him last week and are filthy. Maybe maybe this is the Vendetta game. Um, based off those stats that we just rattled off, maybe, maybe um, uh, he plays that left edge and Bird is on Bird is on that on on the edge. Oates is out there as well. So maybe he's, if if those two num- two numbers sort of stack up on that on that left edge, maybe maybe he's the beneficiary of that. Yeah, he, he might even be a VC option. Like if you're going to play him. You'd be hoping he goes big, so him or him or him or Walker probably the two standout uh, VCs followed by um, by Burgess third. If you were chasing really really hard and you were really far behind, and you wanted a really big pod move, could you just go Milford? Would it would it be an option at all? Do you reckon? If you to buy him, to buy him. Uh, let me uh, watch his draw. So you, do you want to buy someone like that for one game? Well, we got South this week. And then he's got Manly, Roosters, Warriors. So you realistically playing three out of those four. Next week is next week is the is the home round in Brisbane where everyone's going to be screaming for him against Manly Possibly. as well. I reckon you'd have to you'd have to buy him for three games out of four, not playing most of the chalks. Yep, and then be then be prepared to sell him for round twelve. That would be the only way to do it. Yeah, and he is cheap, so I mean you could actually make a quick hundred grand if he goes on a run. He did look a lot better last week. He did. And another little stat for you, Billy. He's um he's got seven day, games down now, and he hasn't scored a try yet. For a reason, he's shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a ballsy move. Uh, look, I, I think you have to make a couple of calculated ones here and there. I couldn't recommend anyone do it, but I also could see Milford average seventy points over the next month as well. So he's that type yeah. of enigma. Look, mate. I'm just going to go out on him and say he's a. Uh, He's a definite money ball option at his price, but a super coach, I wouldn't be buying him. I'd be playing him if I owned him and praying. Yep, yep, uh, I agree with you. Just have to throw it out there. A few people brought up his price and he's very cheap. For this game, what do you reckon is going to happen? What's your score prediction? Uh, I reckon it's probably more like a, a 20, to, 20, to, 20 to 16 type scoreline with the bunnies getting in front, Walker putting him over the line. I reckon it's going to be a good win for Souths. Um, but there's going to be a bit of points in, and I reckon it's going to be 32-18 South Sydney Rabbitohs that are going to come over this one. And with that, let's move on to the Friday night game, the Cowboys versus the Titans. Not exactly a blockbuster, Billy. Um, a few few changes, though. So for the Cowboys side, uh, Martin's out. Um, pretty sad story with um, uh, Martin. He's got um, some bleeding on the brain, and he hasn't even had any concussions this year. So he's had some severe headaches and migraines, and he's out indefinitely. So hopefully he gets well soon. Um, but that paves the way for a bit of a backline reshuffle where we've got um, Jordan Carhoon moving back to fullback and Tom O back in the centres. Uh, aside from that, um, the big news is that uh, Jason Tomalolo is in Jersey 20. So whether he actually comes into the side or not, we, we don't really know at this point. We'll have to wait until kickoff to see. Uh, for the Titans, they've got basically the same starting 13, but the real change is Jai Whitbread. He's actually in Jersey 18. A few people jumped on him um, last week. 
and we, we said on the podcast it's best to wait a week rather than jump on now to see how it shakes out. Uh, they didn't, and now he's in jersey 18, which is a bit of a concern. Yeah, um, I can't really see anything worthwhile on that Titans, Titans team actually grabbing. Um, uh, it was good to see Arrow's minutes go up a little bit last week. Um, I think the outcome of this game probably probably depends on whether Lola comes back. If he's in that starting side, I can justify the dollar sixty-seven. Otherwise, I reckon this is more of a flip of a coin. Titans look a lot better. Um, it, it, it it is in North Queensland, but so hence the probably the uh, leaning towards the Cowboys. But um, I think Titans certainly do look a lot better than what they have the first few games. Yeah, I'll tell you something with the Titans that I had a look at, and I'm sure you've been thinking about too. I had a sneaky look at Bryce Cartwright and went, oh, he scored 66 points last week and he's looking a lot better. Maybe against someone like the Cowboys, I should be playing him. Yeah, if he didn't have any other options, I would. Um, he's got Cowboy... back-to-back weeks here of 66 and 64 points. He's um, doing a lot better. Yeah, but he's had a try assist in, in each of those. So you got um, I definitely last week had 20 Points. I'm not sure if he had a try the week before when it was a try assist. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I remember playing him and, and wanting to punch the TV, saying, "Do something." <laughs> so don't be, don't be, um, don't be flattered by those 66 scores, mate. Those, those are 46s with a really, really dodgy uh, line break assist try assist in there. Someone gifted it to him, and he just sort of chucked it out wide at the last minute. So yeah, then I'd like to see more, more of a work ethic from him. He just seems to be standing out there, plodding, standing still, run, running, running from the standstill, not hitting the line on, on anything. He's just. He's just out there for a paycheck at the moment, but um, if you if you needed to start someone, um, not not the worst for us, the Cowboys, mate. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like you mentioned, the good news as well is that Jairo shouldn't really be a question anymore. I don't think people are still talking about him, but sixty six and seventy minutes the last two weeks, um, the points are going to start coming. I wouldn't be surprised if he got some meat or attacking stats this week, and um, I'd be really happy to still own him and be playing in this week. Apart from that, though, mate, there really isn't any interest in the Cowboys side for me at all, and there's none between both sides in the top 10 for trade-in, trade-out for market watch. And I'm going to assume that you've got no VC or C options in this one, so maybe we just go straight to... Uh, Cowboys, um, last year, they were they were pretty um, bad for um, <clears throat> forwards scoring against them. Uh, Arrow might not be the worst if he's getting big minutes, but... There's probably better options. You, you, know, you know that if he scores, if he goes over the line, he's going to be hitting a ton. Yeah, I reckon the Cowboys, um, if they get Tomalolo back, will win. And if they don't get Tomalolo back, they'll lose. And that's where I reckon this one's going. And aside from Arrow, I don't see a lot happening in this one. So let's move on to the Sharkies and Melbourne Storm as the second Friday night game. Um, so the news for the Sharkies is obviously... Um, Kyle Flanagan coming in to start at six with SJ out, uh, which is quite a big one. Britton Nakora coming back into the side, the big one too for all the owners. You can now start him on the Storm front. Um, the Storm have got the same team as what they had last week. Obviously big outs for the Sharkies, Billy. Will Kennedy's still starting at fullback. How do you see the C and VC options here going? I'm assuming that you're leaning towards the Storm um, duo of Cam Smith and Munster. Yeah, you'd have to. Um, um, I, w- I would. I wouldn't VC um, Smith. I don't think he's got a big enough score at him, especially if there's a question mark around his um, goal kicking. It would surely be Munster uh, in the VC option there. So I like. I like having a cracker outside backs every now and then, you know, like a Zeri, but not not um, not not versus the Storm. 
the Nakora is making a pretty decent name for himself, but it is the Storm, so probably not the game you want for him. So I'll tell you what, first he feeder for the straight out sea again is probably 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 worth a go. Um, he looked pretty dodgy last week on that on that knee. It looked like he was going to come off after sort of five minutes, but he just kept getting up and going and going and going again. So. He's probably healthy, you know, healthy enough for a C. I thought you'd look at Fafita because I looked at him as well. And I actually looked up some numbers because I thought exactly the same as you. And funnily enough, his high scores, um, his second lowest high score is against the Storm with 81. The majority of the rest of the comp that he's turned up against, but the Storm are actually his second worst max score as far as the teams go that he's scored against. There you go. I'd be a bit worried with Fifi as well as a C this week. Um, I, I actually reckon that the Storm will do the Sharkies pretty hardcore um, without SJ and with some guys like uh, Will Kennedy at the back. Oh, I reckon the Storm are going to be 18, 20-point favourites. What do you reckon? Oh, I'm not sure how many points they'll put on. Um, I thought they were, would have put 51 on the Warriors. Um, this is away from home versus the Sharks, so <laughs> I've got no idea, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm pretty excited to, bo- to play um, Munster, and I'd be equally excited to be playing Smith this week. Um, other than that, I don't think that there's any real buys. Um, Smith has been heavily bought. I think that that's with good reason. He's number five on the most traded in. Um, but other than that, I don't think any Sharkies are being purchased at the moment. Um, Kate Wall's been a pretty big trade-out on Market Watch. I think that makes sense. You you wouldn't be holding Kate Wall any longer, would you, considering he's got a higher BE now? Oh, and the opposition. And the opposition as well. And you can play him against. So Kate Wall's probably a really easy trade-out in this one. Is there any other players that you're um, looking at in this one? The only one I'm looking at is Zary. I just don't. So Cherry, whatever his name is, I think I'm going to bench him this week. Um, I'm going to play Ocker instead and and move Cajun in. I just don't like. I I just want to watch and see how he goes without SJ on 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 that right side. Yep, I reckon that's a great call. Um, let's move on to the Saturday games. Uh, Canberra Raiders versus Panthers is the first one. They're playing this one at Wagga Wagga. Uh, C&K came back last week, so he's starting again, no injury concerns, but Jordan Rapana is out for up to three weeks, which means anyone who held Bailey Simonson is going to be very, very happy. He's starting on the wing for him. Other than that, um, we've got the rest of the side pretty much the same for Supercoach. Uh, Panthers, we've got Aiken um, retaining his number one jersey, which is great to see. Uh, Egan retaining the number nine, which might become interesting as well. Um, and the rest of the side pretty much the same. So, interesting one here, Billy. Both of these sides really underperformed last week quite a bit, um, so I'm not sure what to expect this week. Yeah, um, well, I'm hoping a CNK turns up again and puts on a bit of a display because I want to play him. Um, I'm also hoping Cleary turns up, but I really don't like sort of away teams going, going to Canberra. You never know which team's going to turn up, um, opposition-wise or, or, the, or the home crowd. I think this is probably going to be a decent scoring affair. Both teams scoring around 24 points each, but I just don't know which way it's going to go. I'm just going to pray pray for um, kick out of sort of state a little bit sort of quiet for an, a, another couple of weeks, but, but show some decent minutes and and keep, just keep charging the line. I really hope Cleary sort of turns up turns up this week, um, and we see we see a lot more running from uh, from uh, Aitkins to to justify a trade in next week. Yeah, I'm with you on all those ones. Um... Kikau's one just to mention. We spoke about him before, but I said that he played 63 minutes on the weekend, and that's going to start to become a bit of a concern for him. His base stats have been 39, 36, 39, 39, 
and his minutes look like he's not going to be getting 80 minutes, which really, it hurts his value a little bit if he's not getting 80 minutes. So I'm definitely on minutes watch with him. Um, I can't get him in this week, and I'm going to be having a look because he's 88 points he scored with a barnstorming try, which I know that he does, but you know things like the offloads and the work rate might not be there if he's just going to get 60 to 65 minutes. Yeah, a guy having that sort of base, I'd rather um, be available at centre three quarter. If you've got like guys like um, Jervo and Arrow who who are just doing it that in their sleep in in that slot, I'd much rather just wait right till the last minute than um, buy him for um, buy him for for round twelve and something like that. two weeks later if I have to just just to get his potentials at eighty points in that one week where the opposition are depleted, mate. Yeah, JFH playing 80 minutes has really killed Kicker. Um, I think that's hurt the most. So I need to wait and see what happens there. Would you throw, if you had Cleary and Kicker, would you consider throwing like a late VC on one of them? Um, Cleary was sort of interesting to me. He's got 65, 96 and 82 the last three weeks, but he is a guy that can turn up. If Penrith put a score on Canberra, he's obviously going to be goal kicking. So he could be looking at his first ton of the year if they do well. Yeah, guys like him, you know, you know, are going to have 150 score in throughout throughout the season. But you just got to pick that game. I'm probably banking on that being the, the week after or the week after that, leading leading into um, round 12. But I, I no, I don't think I would waste a VC on him. Not, not not versus the Warriors, mate. But if you if you want a pot option, he's probably um, he's probably the play. Yep. Uh, on the Canberra side of things, aside from CNK, Bateman did really well last week. CNK and Bateman combined to score a heap of points in that last minute of the game, which was great for for owners. Um, last week on the podcast, we spoke about two players in that back line, Jared Croker and Joseph Leilua. So I'm pretty comfortable in saying we get 50% of our calls right, Billy, and I reckon we did it again. So let's start off with the glass half full. Jared Croker... Um, Scored 77 points last week, backed it up from the 73 the week before. Looked really good. He's now priced at 503k with a 26 BE. You could have got him at 480k last week. Uh, having said that, BJ Leilua, the enigma continues. He was so disappointing after being so good for so long. Really didn't look like he was going to have any more real bad dud games. And he scored 32 points. He really wasn't involved. He actually had his second lowest base of the year with only 22 points in base. The only time it was worse it was in round two when he had 21 points and his base attack wasn't there either. So I really liked BJ last week, but he's now got a 57 BE at 525k and that last score has really killed him. Maybe it's a, um, a wait and see. Didn't he move out to um, the wing when Rapana came off after a few minutes? I'm not sure. Um, I might have missed that. I didn't see the whole game. Yeah, I, th- uh, I, I didn't. I didn't see the game, but I know Rapana came off after sort of five or ten minutes with, with an injury. Um, um, and the guys on the Facebook thread said that um, uh, what do you call it? That Bateman had moved, moved out to centre. So if Bateman had moved moved to centre, um, I think that's the only logical place that um, uh, he probably could have gone. So I reckon his base might have been down from that movement. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that that's a bit of an excuse for him, but I mean, it's. At least it brings his price down if you're still considering him for um, round 12. Yeah, I think that when you get to round 11, there's a chance that he might be really cheap. And if that happens, maybe he'll be a trading for that round 12 buy and see if you can catch a run for him. Uh, so he's a watch for this this week for me. I'm going to be watching him. Uh, I actually think that Jared Croker is still a decent trade-in. I thought he was last week. 
Um, and this week again at 500k and a low BE, if you wanted him for the buy, it might be a good week. If you didn't have anything better to do as far as your trades go and you wanted to bolster your centre wing because you were weak there, uh, I, I think Croker could go okay this week because I agree with you, there might be quite a few points in this game. Yeah, um, he's, the only thing with him though is he's got um, Chooks next week, then he's got the Rabbits. I couldn't be bringing a guy like him in knowing that he's got one one potential game versus the Panthers, then I couldn't for the life of me playing for the next two weeks. Um, he then, he, I'd, I'd much rather wait on someone like him to um, for, round, for round 11 when he's got the Cowboys at home then goes into the um, the Dogs um, dog, dogs and Tigers, mate. Um, dogs, Tigers, then he's got Sharks, then Eels, then you can punt him for someone in round 16 by. Yep, fair call. Um, so I'm going to go for 28-24 on this one. Take your pick on who wins it. Um, and let's move on to the Seagulls versus Bulldogs. So this one's over at Lotto Land. The Bulldogs side, same starting 13 um, as what we had before, which is great because it means that Martin's still in the 13 jumper. Farmanu Brown comes onto the bench um, with the only other change. This Seagulls side, though, now has Daily Cherry Evans out, um, which means that um, Kane Elgie gets a recall, and it's Kane Elgie and Lachlan Croker in the halves together. Abbas Miski debuts on the wing. Uh, and the forward pack is unchanged. So let me just read this back line to you, Billy, because I think that it's going to be music to any Bulldog owner's ears, okay? Some people oh, might... Mate, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even recognise half the names, but... Some people might think that we're putting out an NBA starting five or something with this back line. That's, that's how unknown it is. Brendan Elliott, Abbas Miski, Moses Sooley, Brad Parker, Ruben Garrick, Lachlan Croker, and Kane LG. I... I've said before I haven't seen a worse backline, and that when I've said that, it still had Daily Cherry Evans in it. Without Daily Cherry Evans, they they played really well last week, Manly. Like take take credit for them. Um, Dez deserves a heap of credit. They've done really really well with very limited players in their backline, but surely that backline gets some points put on them. Surely they can't go well again. Mate, I've seen better sevens at the dads over fifties down the park on a Friday night. <laughs> I don't think it can get worse than that, honestly. Like I'm, um, I was talking to some of the guys um, in some of the super coach groups, and I actually said I, I'm dumbfounded how you can get the Bulldogs for two dollars twenty outsiders this week. Uh, I know they're playing at Lotto Land, but they just decimated. So that's probably my bet of the week. Take the Bulldogs for two dollars twenty. Yeah, um, it's just a shame that um, Ocker isn't playing the same side as that uh, rookie. Um, I know some of the guys kind of rate him and said, "Look, he's not a bad, not a bad rule player." Uh, all, all I know is that he's a rookie on the wing, so he'll be targeted. Um, so yeah, um, C and VC for me this week. I'm playing Ocker and straight out C without Martin. Yeah, and Ockenbor is a definite play. I agree with you. Anyone that owns him should be playing him this week. Um, I said that last week. That was fifty percent of the things I got right. Thank you very much. Uh, CHN, another good one for this week. If you own him or you're bringing him in, this is the week to do it. He's probably late enough on the weekend to actually still have a VC. Yeah, you could, because uh, there's some games afterwards. Um, like the, um, the next one we're going to talk about has a really good C option in it. Uh, I reckon the Bulldogs are going to go um, 24-6 in this one over the Seagulls. I reckon the Dogs will chuck 20 points on, but it'll take them... I was going to say something stupid like that and say it'll take them all game to get it <laughs> then I don't, I don't think the dogs are going to chuck 20 points on in the first half I think they'll 
they'll, they'll grind it out and get a, get a, get a couple of breakaways here and there. They've taken the whole game to get the 20 points, but I reckon Manly still chucked 12 or 14 on because it's still a dog's mate. Yeah. Um, only guy that we'll talk about on the Manly side is uh, Marty Tapau. He's had a really bad fall from grace. Um, and I actually made a comment to Wilfred when I was chatting to him that, uh, uh, which I don't think Wilfred was very happy about because he disagreed a little bit where I was like, um, I don't even think I'd be buying Marty to power for the round 12 buy at the moment because I'm that put off by, by his minutes and, and Wilfred was disgusted with me. So I don't know whether I'm Did onto you? a pod or a pod move or whether it's just a terrible thought of mine, but I've hated to power's minutes. It's a terrible thought of yours. I thought I thought the same thing last year and said I don't know what everyone's raving about. Why would I want to buy a guy like that just for one round? And uh, that's when he played more minutes than ever before and turned up because everyone else was at Origin and scored 110 or whatever it was, and I didn't have him. So there's one round there's one round of the year where the guy's going to turn up and shine. It's that, and unfortunately, you have to spend a trade to get him in and another trade to piss him off. I just don't know if I could do it for one or one round when you've already got the other forwards in there. Like I've already got like seven Mate. forwards for round twelve. I, Mate, you, I don't know. You start the season. You start the season with thirty-seven trades. You've still got twenty-six right now, and your team is already maxed out with guns. But you've got twenty-six trades left. Just use two of them. Well, let's have a look at him then as a trade-in. If you think that he's got a forty-one BE, so he's got a low BE, and he's five hundred forty-eight okay. k. I don't want to score him right now. I just want to get him in for one round and then get rid of him. If you owned him, um, would you 100% be playing him each week? Let me give you the numbers for it, and then you can tell me. The last uh, you know, few weeks, he's got 43, 48, and 39 minutes. He managed to get a line break and try on the weekend, so he had a massive score of 96 points. But before that, he had 53, 48, and 54, and his offloads are basically halved year on year now. Um, you know, do you even think that he's a definite play every week? Oh, mate, I can't answer it. With, with those sorts of minutes, I wouldn't want to take the risk. It's kind of like playing Flegler, you know. You know he's going to get sort of uh, 25, 30 minutes, but which one's going to turn up? The guy that has uh, th- three three line breaks and a try, or the guy that just you know, gets 35 minutes and doesn't have 20, gets 25, 30 minutes and doesn't have enough time to do anything before he's pulled off again. So, um, I, it's versus the dogs, mate. Um, <laughs> damned if you do damned if you don't I, I just wouldn't take the risk but I wouldn't buy him but as a fourth reserve I'd probably play him over over an, over over a um, a Cardi and a Burr type oh yeah of course yeah I, I would as well I mean I guess the other concerning thing is the last two weeks when he's played 43 and 48 minutes they haven't had a um, Fanua Blake in there either and he returns this week so I mean they were down at Alpha Prop <laughs> he still didn't get the extra minutes so I'd be really frustrated if I own Marty. I'm really happy that I don't. Um, I'm not. Don't quote me on it, anyone, Billy. Don't tell me at round 12 that I can't buy to power. I want to see the next month what it looks like, and if he looks decent the next month, I probably will buy him. But geez, there's a lot of concern if you own him. Um, let's move on to the next game so we can get through these. We have got the Roosters versus the Tigers as the last Saturday game. Um, now changes here is obviously Jake Friend is out. Uh, and he's going to be out for a few months, which puts Victor Radley as the starting nine for the Roosters. Isaac Lee returns from injury, thankfully, so he takes that 13 jersey. Um, and other than that, the Roosters are as per program in prior weeks. Um, we also have uh, the Tigers coming off um, some pretty poor weeks lately. And they've got the same uh, 13 as what they had last week, which means Michael Cheekham is still stood down. 
Uh, Luke Garner does return, though. He's the other change. He was a laid out last week. He does come onto the bench in Jersey 17. I said that there was a good C option in this one, Billy, and that good C option for me is James Tedesco, captaincy against his old club, the Tigers, against a side that could have a lot of points put on them. If the Eels can put 50-odd points against the Tigers on, then the Roosters might get the first century in the modern game. Yeah, um, you could even be seeing him too, knowing that Ponga's versus the Knights the next day, although that's in, New- that's in New Zealand, but that's where he's from. So, yeah, I didn't even think of that one. Um, Roosters at home. You wouldn't you wouldn't really even bother trying to chuck a, a VC on Farrah or, um, or um, what's his name, uh, Masters. The opposition's too tough. They ain't going to score that much. So, yeah, straight out, um, straight out Teddy probably. Yeah, I'm really liking the straight-out Teddy. I think that even if he has a slow game, you're still probably going to get that 75 points out of him. Um, I think that he's a really strong one for this week. Uh, Latrell Mitchell's the other guy that's a really strong one for this week. If you did get him in last week, like a fair few people were talking about doing, this would certainly be the week that you'd be hoping that he goes big again because he was obviously pretty disappointing against the Dragons score-wise. He um, didn't have a lot of work that he was doing which, you know, has been a bit of a trademark with Latrell. Um, and because of that, he only ended up scoring 53 points, which wasn't terrible, but I think people were expecting a much bigger score. Um, he's 589k now, Billy, with a B66. Would you grab him for the Roosters next four weeks, including the Tigers run that might be massive uh, for this round? Or do you think that he's, he's definitely dead in the water now? You can't get him in. Nah, I'm just going to stay away, mate. He's too, he's too hot and cold, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't cover it. Um, it's the cold that scares me. It's always the cold with him. Yeah, well, the next month of the Roosters, the Tigers, Raiders, Broncos, and Knights um, does look pretty appealing. So um, the problem with Luttrell is that you'd expect him to be a bit of a pod, but he's actually owned by like 36% of coaches yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, it's it, he's too highly owned. You'd expect him after the start of the year that he had and how expensive he was from round one that he'd be like 10 to, to maybe 14% or something, but... He's way too highly owned, and that's probably the thing that puts me off. But if you own him, um, Billy mentioned Ponga as a, a late C option. VC Latrell could be the other move. I could see him getting a ton as well against the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, that's an option. Just going, just going back and having a look at something while you were doing that. Uh, Teddy scored thirty-five points versus the Tigers last year, first game. No, you can't ruin my narrative. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Teddy's going to kill it. He loves playing the Tigers. Tigers know how to shut him down, mate. My counter to that would be at the start of last year, Teddy was getting used to the team. Everybody knows that he started slow and everybody was expecting it. If he played the Tigers mid-season, he would have turned up. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, We started slow this year too with a 23 and a 52. I reckon that the Roosters are going to go 40 to 12 over the Tigers this week. That's my prediction. Put put it this way, the Eels... Mate, the Eels and the Tigers always score about 30 or 35 points against each other, and Teddy chucked on 133 versus the Eels, so let's just assume it's going to be similar. <laughs> How about that? Yep, I like it. So Latrell and Tedesco are the two big ones this week um, for this game, and I'd be pretty worried playing some Tigers players. Ryan Madison is playing his, his old club, so that is the other plus for the Tigers side of things if you own Ryan Madison. He'll probably step up. Then again, I expect the Roosters to target him a little bit and maybe defend him pretty tightly. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right there, mate. Um, what, what, what is it with players stepping up against their old club? It's, quite, it's almost like they want to prove themselves. But um, yeah, let's just hope he doesn't turn himself into a battering ram and do a shoulder. Yep. Uh, first Sunday game, the Knights versus the Warriors over at Mount Smart. 
Roger Tuvala Shek is back for owners, which is going to be a welcome, welcome news on CLT. Um, Patrick Herbert's retained his spot at number four um, for Carter, who last week was out for personal reasons, ended up playing in, in um, second grade, and he's in second grade again this week. Obviously, CHT is starting number six still, but it could be his last game starting for the Warriors, so he's looming as a sell for next week. Isaiah Papali'i is finally starting in jersey 11, Billy, and Lachlan Burr is starting as well. So your handcuff worked. It just took until round eight to get there. I traded him last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a successful handcuff, everyone. That's how you successfully handcuff in fantasy sports. Uh, Knights, team news, we've got uh, the same starting 13 that won the game last week um, and actually the same reserves as well. So we've got the same side as last week. Mitchell Pierce was on fire last week, played a really good game. But the big news is that we said Lockie Fitzgibbon needed to score a try. It was coming, it was coming. I'm saying it's happening this week. And he got his try last week, Billy. It was without a line break, but we'll take a small win. Doesn't matter, mate. It's a small win. We pretty... There's certain things you can call, and yeah, that was coming. Um, the Knights are the other value bet this week. They're paying two dollars forty. I know it's over in New Zealand. I know that they've got RTS back over there, but um, you know, I, I'm really liking the um, the Knights' chances of winning this one. I think they'll beat the Warriors. Yeah, I, I agree there, mate. The thing with these games is when when players go go away to opposition ground, especially when you go and sort of um, uh, uh, overseas, mate. It just the home crowd just just has that edge, so. I think I think it's price right because you don't know which Knights are going to turn up. Um, obviously, they had the home crowd versus the Eels last week, and then they still imploded towards the end before taking off. So I think it's probably right. The the the, um, the Warriors been favourites, although dollar fifty seven is a bit rich. Yeah, it's very rich. Um, I'm I'm reckon that Lockie Fitzgibbon is going to get another try this week, but I'm going to add line break to that stat line. So we started off with a try. This week's going to be try line break. He's up against Papali this week, and he's. he's I was going to say he's pretty, he's pretty good, but I'd probably rephrase that to him. He's probably being pretty busy. He's probably a little bit sloppy too. So, um, Who's outside um, Papali? Is that, is that Carter's side? Didn't he switch? Um, outside Papali is, yeah, I think it's going to be Herbert, actually. And, and Momalo, I think, is on the, on, on, the, on the wing. So, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't put money on it, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, be having, I'd be having another go at him, him backing up this week. Yeah, well, the other thing too is that um, just quietly, um, Ponga, since starting now, is still very close to an 80 average. He's about oh, 78, 79 points at the moment across his last four games. He scored 64 on the weekend, which was his lowest, and before that he had 83, 81, and 88. I think that he's a really good just straight-out C option for this week, and judging by your comment during the Roosters um, game that we were chatting about, I think that you agree. Yeah, I think we chucked out that number last week. Um, like Luke was asking... Uh, who who the captain um, Ponger or oh, someone else? And I think uh, the the numbers pretty much said um, in games where Ponger was kicking last year, he averaged seventy five, and then his lowest scoring game was sixty eight or something or other. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, you know, he Ponger wasn't involved at all last week. If you watch the game, they it was the Mitchell Pearce show. Mitchell Pearce had seventy seven possessions during the game, which is huge. Um, and he dominated the uh, attack. Connor Watson was doing his thing where he was just running. He wasn't passing at all because that's what he does. Um, and Ponga really, it was almost like the second half they were trying not to give Ponga the ball. He still scored 64 points. So it's just such a good floor to have on a guy that could get flogged or could not get any ball. 
and he's still going to get the points for you. So I love him as a C versus Warriors. Billy, I'm tipping the Knights to put on a bit of a score. I reckon they're going to win 28-12 this week. Oh, I've got, yeah. Uh, 28-12, it's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon uh, four tries to two. So, yeah, I'll go that, four tries to two. Four tries to two, all right. And Ponga can assist on all of them this week because Mitchell Pearce took all of them last week. Oh, so. I, hope, I hope so, mate. Um, let's go into the last game of the round. So the Parramatta Eels versus the Dragons over at your Bankwest Stadium, Billy. Exciting stuff. Gutho is in number yeah. one. Um, but there's been some rumours that Gutho's actually been carrying some injuries. And he, um, aside from maybe going to Manly now, he, he might not be playing this week. So you're going to have to look out because it is the last game of the round. Um, aside from that, Manu Ma'u is still on the bench. He's still not um, gotten a starting jersey back yet, but I expect him to get that off Moriora um, pretty soon. The Dragon side of things, um, Ravalawa has been recalled for the wing. Lomax moves from the wing to the centre spot, which means that Ewan Aitken has had a massive fall from grace and he's on the bench, um, which is surprising, but he can play in the second row. And he might actually be quite an interesting player playing in the second row because he's not going to have those defensive decisions to make, perhaps. Um, so, Billy, your Eels, you tell me who are the big players for this game. Who's going to smash the Dragons from the Eels side? I reckon they're still going to go right. They always do um, when, when Ferguson's playing. Um, I can't see Moses putting on a big score versus the Dragons. Um, I reckon Norman will come back with a vengeance, trying to try try prove his worth. Uh, I can't see any big scoring him. But Gutho has been informed, but he's been getting those scores with two and three tries. He's just per week. I just can't see him doing it this week again, um, it, especially with a potential injury. I reckon Gutho is probably uh, a, lay, a lay at the moment. I, 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 if I earned him, I probably wouldn't even play him this week. That's that's my call. I, can't I, think I don't think that you're going to need to. Um, Wacko's Whispers actually said that um, Blake Ferguson has been seen training at fullback and um, Gutherson is not very much chance of playing at all. Yeah, I think most owners are probably going to have to bench him, actually. Yeah, there you go. I'm not sure of uh, Fergo's value at fullback. Um, he's even when he was playing. What was he like when he was um, a fullback with the Chooks? I can't remember. He's, he's, he was he's great. outstanding. Yeah, he was outstanding. He actually played this huge game that I remember really well against the Tigers. Um, had a mate of mine coming down from Queensland, and I met him up at the pub. I hadn't seen him in about six months, and we went, "All right, we'll go watch the footy." And Fergo was starting at fullback. Um, which I was a bit bummed about because I thought we were going to get about five errors from him. And he actually was a match winner. He, he absolutely killed it. Had a few try assists. Um, ended up scoring the winning try, I think, from memory, or, or the winning play. Um, he had a huge game. So, yeah, he could have a, a pretty good game at fullback. Yeah, I much prefer a big, strong runner like him back there. But um, you can't, I can't argue with um, uh, Gutho's stats, mate. We picked him about three years ago, but this year I just didn't think he would do it, not coming back from... from um, and knee up and not kicking goals, but yeah, he surprised me. I, I just think he's going to come back to earth for now, kind of like Widdop, kind of like Widdop did last year, and then he's kind of a, uh, you know, evaluate round twelve whether you want to get him or not. Yeah, it's really bad timing for an injury when um, a lot of people got him in last week and bit the bullet for the points, and he didn't score very well. Having said that, Sevo uh, played really well last week. I, I thought not just super coach wise, but watching the game, Billy, I thought Sevo was really active. He was running it really strong. I really like the look of him. Like I, I, I'd really like to play him this week against the Dragons. Yeah, I, I played him every game all year. Um, 
on with every game, but no, um, especially the early games because he just looked like he had those um, uh, those big runs. But I can't remember if it was the first game or the second game. He he, he just stopped running like semi. He just he only had like three or four hit ups, and I lost kind of interest. And then he didn't wasn't going over the line, and he shows glimpses of that work ethic. And and that semi rajada type, they run over the run over the top of people for a you know, um, tackle bus, tackle bus H eight, and you get a couple of uh, six point runs off him. But I, there's just not enough for me. But yeah, last week he just looked devastating. So um, I sold him last week. So really disappointed about that. But um, had to sell him, and I just I just couldn't play him each week with with those four center, second rowers available at center three quarter now. Yeah, it's, there was a lot of people that sold him the last couple of weeks, so you're not alone. Um, I managed to hold him, so I was lucky, but he's now got a minus 33 BE and he's 427K. That could see him get through to round 12 and survive until then and, and be able to be traded oh, out yeah. for a lot of cash. So yeah. He looks like a definite hold and a potential play for this week. I'm actually going to play him. He scored 102 last week and 80 the week before, and the three games where he scored at least one try... He's actually averaged 95 points across those games, so he's not the type of winger just to throw up 60 points with a try. Yeah, I'm not buying back. <laughs> no, he's um, and and the, the the other thing to add in there too, this is only the second game um, at Eels' um, uh, new stadium, and you saw what they did in the first game. Uh, maybe the crowd, the new stadium, that get, gets behind him, they do the same thing. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. And our mate Sean Lane has quietly got a three-round average of 65 points. Just about pretty much around his um, round one starting price, so he's done exactly what we thought he would, and he's going to be, um, you know, you're not going to lose any money holding him until round twelve. So that's good to see. Um, I'm not really too excited about the dragon side of things, though. I, I reckon that the eels have got a chance to do the dragons this week, um, just based on the the merry mad scientist mix up with the um, the, the the back line and Aitken on the bench. I'm, I'm not sure what to make of this side. Yeah. Um... I don't. I don't really like that Dragons forward pack, mate. They're, they've got a couple. They've got a couple of good players in there, but just it's just not like a big. It's just not a pack I trust week in and week in week out. Um, especially with Mary rotating around all the time. Uh, they're away from home. I reckon the crowd give it to Norman as well. Eels will have a massive, massive crowd there. I reckon. The, I reckon the crowd just get it to Norman. Yeah, that's actually going to be really good. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, I agree with you, and I reckon it might be a bit of a tight one. I reckon this could be like a 2018 one where the crowd gets the Eels home, and I think it could be a really good game to watch. So I'm all in yeah, on the Eels winner. Um, and on that note, Billy, that'll be it for the round, mate. So thanks for jumping on again. I hope your Eels do get up over the Dragons, and um, hope you, hopefully you have a good super coach week and you pick the right C. Cheers, buddy. You too, mate. Cheers, mate. All right, guys, so thanks for listening once again, like always, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Uh, do give us some shares and stuff on Twitter and everything else. It's really good to see. Uh, and hopefully everyone gets some good VC or C Jags this week and scores 1,500 plus and has a great week, good weekend of footy this one. Can't wait to talk to everyone next week. Thanks very much.